It's time. Now let me first say one thing before we even get into this, uh, for the record. In order for us to experience true worship, we have to have had an encounter with God. Hello, somebody. I say in order for us to have had true worship, we first must have had an encounter with the Lord. Do you remember the last time you had an encounter with the risen Savior? The last time you felt nothing but the presence of God all around you? Whether it was years ago or yesterday, don't you think it's time for another? Welcome back to the Souls to Christ radio outreach on Praise 106.1. Get ready to do a deep dive into God's holy word as Pastor White explores what it means to worship God in spirit and in truth. Let's take a listen. John 4, 24, and the scripture reads, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in what? Thank you, God, our Father. You know, over the course of these next several weeks, we're going to be examining uh, the act of true worship. I said true worship according to the Bible. We're going to examine what I believe to be four distinct modes of worship, which are prayer, presence, gifts, and service. And there are some that may say, well, pastor, shouldn't praise be a part of our worship to God? And to that I would respond, praise is the end result of true worship to God, to our Lord. And because of the fact that we praise as a result of our worship, you know, that's why we call our, our 11 a.m. our praise and what? Worship service. So I would like to actually reverse the order of those two and call it our worship and praise service because you can't praise uh, really on a truth unless you first worship, okay? And so we're going to be looking at that over the next several weeks. Uh, uh, this is going to be worship part one, hallelujah. And so as we look at our text here, uh, we have here a conversation taking place between a Samaritan woman and Jesus our Lord, as we had started in John chapter 4.24. It says here again, God is a what? Spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in what? Truth. That's what we're going to be looking at. And now over the course of these messages, we're, we're going to uh, see just how God through this encounter with uh, this Samaritan woman introduces us to real worship. You know, starting at, at John chapter a four verse number seven going all the way through to 42 we have this encounter with the Samaritan woman but we see true worship being enacted upon a group who for the most part the Jews considered idolaters and those were the Samaritan people you'll see in the text that's why the woman was surprised when Jesus asked her to, to give him drink okay now of course I've preached this message on Jesus at the well with this Samaritan woman. I preached this numerous times over the course of my 23 years of, of, of ministering, but what the Spirit revealed to me in my study of this text for this series of messages, it really blew my mind as it pertains to worship. And I'm going to say to you, you need to get ready. Ask your neighbor, are you ready? Because what God showed me, I'm about to reveal to you, and I guarantee you it's going to blow your mind as well. Hallelujah, somebody. 
Worship, man, worship by definition. Worship is defined as a feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. And so when we talk about worship or when we worship or are worshiping the Lord, which is the act of worship, is to show reverence or adoration for a deity or to participate in a religious ceremony. Now, when you look at the Hebrew and the Greek word, the, the, the Hebrew word being hawa and the Greek word being proskuneo, okay, these, both of these words mean to bow down, to prostrate oneself, or to take a low stance as a sign of honor or worship or homage to a deity, okay? Now, let me first say one thing before we even get into this uh, for the record. In order for us to experience true worship, we have to have had an encounter with God. Hello, somebody. I say in order for us to have had true worship, we first must have had an encounter with the Lord. That stands to reason that a lot of people that think they're worshiping is not worshiping because what they haven't had is a true encounter with the risen Savior. Churches are full of people that aren't saved. Did you not know that? There may be a few of you in here today that aren't saved. I don't know. I can't see your heart. That's between you and the Lord. But I'm here to tell you, praise is not worship. Hello, somebody. See, you can praise God and not really know the God that you're praising. Amen, somebody. Just because you're waving your hands and you're singing with the choir and you're excited about the dance and you could just be going with the crowd. And we know that in America, that's all folk do is go with the crowd. Amen, somebody. That does not mean that you know God. That doesn't mean that you know him in the pardoning of your sins. That doesn't mean that you know him as Lord and Savior. You, that don't mean that you know him in his full power, that you don't really understand what it means to have been saved by grace, been washed in the blood of the Lamb, been made that new creature in Christ. We, we talked about that for the past couple services. Uh, the God of the new. I introduced folk to the God of the new. Why? Because if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. But if you're not in Christ, in Christ, that means you haven't been made new and your praise amounts to nothing but noise. You got to know God in order to praise God and to know him is to worship him. How, do I, how can you say that, Pastor? Now, I'm not trying to offend nobody, but Jesus himself said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? You come in here Sunday after Sunday to receive the Word of God, to receive the power of God, to receive faith from God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing what? By the Word. You come to receive of God, you get God's Word, you get God's truth, and you leave back out acting like you've never heard a word the pastor said. Although I've even had folk quickly dismiss my words of encouragement, my words of admonishment, my words of warning to them as if it's just my words. See, if you can take God out of the picture and make it just between me and you, then you might have reason to reject what I'm saying. But this ain't just about me and you. This is what thus saith the Lord. I'm not going to give you my opinion or conjecture because as a pastor, that's not my job. But my job as a pastor is to give you what thus saith the Lord. What you do after that, that's totally on you. See, we have to learn as we witness for Christ to take us out of the picture as we put Christ into the picture. See, if I tell you what thus saith Dwayne, then you might have reason to just, you know what, just push that to the side. But if I tell you what thus saith the Lord, you know what, that exalts me of any accountability of your response to what I'm telling you. Are y'all hearing me, saints of God? Huh? 
And it doesn't matter whether it's coming from the preacher in the pulpit or whether it's coming from the child in the pew. Even a child knows how to give God praise. Amen, somebody? Hmm? True praise. Huh. And so here we are. We're going to examine what this thing of true worship is really all about. Again, from uh, this John chapter 4, from verse 7 down to verse 42, we're going to see what, what this thing is all about. Hmm? This thing of true worship, of paying homage to God, of bowing before the Lord, of, of kneeling before the God of our salvation. And we're going to see just what that means as we get into the Word. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look at verse number 6. Okay? Remember the definition I read for, for you concerning worship. We got Webster's definition. We have the definition of worship coming from uh, the Hebrew, the Greek, those words which both mean to bow down, to prostrate, to, to give a low stance as a sign of honor, worship, and homage to a deity. Okay? Now, it is what we see taking place as we look in this book of Exodus. That's what's taking place with when Moses had his first encounter with God, hello somebody, who created all things. It was the posture that he took according to the scriptures when it said that Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon the Lord. We find that if we just read, and I'm cutting to the chase because it started in Exodus chapter 3 verse 1. It talks about where Moses, when he was out tending the sheep, and he looked, and he looked upon the mountain of God, and he saw a bush burning. Okay? The bush was on fire, but it wasn't burning. And Moses says, well, let me go and see this great wonder, this, what, uh, this bush that's, that's on fire, but it's not burning. And that was his first encounter with the Lord. Okay? And, of course, when he stepped up on the mountain and, and the Lord spoke unto him, and he told Moses, he says, Moses, take the shoes off your feet because the ground you stand on is holy ground. All right? Holy ground. Let's jump down to verse 6. And it says here, moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Okay? He was afraid to look upon God. You know, those people back then had a holy fear and reverence to God that many folk don't have today. We, we have become so desensitized to the things that belong to God and God alone because the law came from God. Hello, somebody. Uh, God is the lawgiver, if you will. But because we are so desensitized to the law, we have no regard for sin. We have no reverence for the things that pertain to holiness and righteousness. That I believe that if we were to see God in the person of Christ, we wouldn't bow. We wouldn't prostrate ourselves. If God was to show up and to walk in this church in his glorified state, there would still be some just... Whereas those who know the mode of worship would immediately hit their knees and bow their heads, realizing whose presence they are in. Are y'all hearing me? Today, most people today don't have no clue of what it means to worship. Now, now don't, don't get it twisted. Worship isn't just about bowing before the Lord. 
but it's about knowing who he is that you're bowing before. And that's the reason why folk don't worship him today like they ought to. I gave you four modes of worship, praise God. And they were, again, prayer, presence, gifts, and service. Why? Because prayer, through the vehicle of prayer, we usher ourselves into the presence of God. It's through prayer that you initially got saved based on your hearing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? You heard the gospel preached, and you were convicted by the truth of God's word, and because of that truth, you were ready to receive, and you did receive from God. You knew that you were a sinner. You knew you had to repent. You knew if you were to avoid and escape hell and all of its fury that you have to then confess your own sins and ask God to save you, realizing who he is. That came by prayer. Your first mode of worship. How you got saved because it was through the prayer of salvation that you were what? Saved. Are y'all hearing me? It's through the vehicle of prayer that we continue to worship God. The second thing I gave you was present. I, I'm, I'm giving you just a quick understanding of why I, I, I kind of reduced it down to four modes. Why? Because it's through your presence. All right, showing up, if you will. Hallelujah, somebody. You've got to show up in order for God, amen, to show out. We want God to show out when we won't even, we aren't willing to show up. Amen. When, they, when the Israelites were called to the temple for worship, uh, they did not forsake the assembling of themselves. They didn't say, oh, I don't need to go to the temple. I don't need to show up. No, part of your worship is your presence before God. When you kneel to him in prayer, you're going into his presence. When you show up at his house, he says, for my house shall be called the house of prayer. Amen. You're showing your worship through your presence in the house of God. Huh? By my presence, by my prayers, by my gifts. We know that giving is another mode of worship to God. Because Israel was called to worship him through their giving. And they were only asked to give back to God what was his. God, give me, God says, give me the first fruits of your increase. Now, I got scriptures to go along with this, but we're going to go through each one of these modes of prayer. But I'm just giving you a quick heads up, a synoptic view, if you will, of where we're going. That they were called to give God what was his. He says, the tithe is mine, saith the Lord. When they were robbing him, when they weren't bringing him the tithe and the offering. And God says, you're robbing me. Well, how are we robbing you, Lord? Through the tithe and the offering. The tithe is the Lord. He says, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Malachi chapter 3. So we worship God through our prayer. We worship him through our presence. We worship him through our gifts. And we worship him through our service. That means you can't come into the house of God and just think you're going to sit. sit. Amen. You know, there's work for you to do. You've got breath in your body, yeah. You got the activity of your limbs, yes. Uh -huh. you, got it. you got strength to come through those doors, and you got strength to render your gifts that God gives to you. There are folk that work in jobs every day that these services that you render for the man for pay that you could be given in the house of God for free. Why? Because you received the gift of God free. Why can't you give him the gifts that he's given you back for free? Nobody should have to pay you to do what you do in the house of the Lord. Amen. By your service, you ought to be glad that you can serve him. There are people that are laying in hospitals on their sick bed wishing that they could get back to the house of the Lord. There are people in nursing homes now that don't have the full functioning of their body that wishing that they could get to the house of God one more time. Don't let God have to stretch you out on your back before you learn how to bow down on your face. 
Amen, somebody. Our prayers we worship. Through our presence we worship. Through our gifts we worship. And, and through our service we worship. Abraham was 75 years old when he had his first encounter with the Lord. 75. Tell your neighbors, you're never too old. And you're never too young. Go with me. We're going into Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. This is where Abraham, who was an idolater before the Lord came to him. Genesis 12 and 1. It says, now the Lord said unto Abram, that was before he changed his name to Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee. Verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Do you see that? Just like Abraham, just like faithful Abraham, and we are the children of Abraham by faith, you are blessed to be a blessing. God promised Abraham, he says, I will make you a blessing if you do what? First, you got to be obedient. First, you got to do what I ask you to do. Get away from these, your idolatrous, paganist family, amen, and be willing to let me lead you to the place that I want to use you in, that you might be a blessing, that you might be the father of many nations, that you will be a blessing to as many people that who are here now and as many people that will never know you or meet you. Hallelujah, somebody. That's what he said. Jump down to Genesis 18, verse 1. Here we see Abraham having his first physical encounter uh, 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 with three men. We know these three men to have been angels. In fact, we know that one of these uh, angels was the angel of the Lord. Okay, Genesis 18, verse number 1. And look what it says here. It says, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat at, and he sat in his tent door in the heat of the day. Now here uh, Abraham is, he's sitting in his tent door, and he looks and he sees three images coming, three men coming to approach him. And what happened? It says, verse 2, And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. Abraham knew something about the presence of the Lord. Why? Because we don't bow and worship angels. In, in fact, if that were just regular old angel, an angel, he would have told Abraham, get up. Huh? It says Abraham bowed before him. Why? Because this was now, uh, this wasn't just any old angel. Two were regular angels, and one was uh, what we know to be the angel of the Lord. It was Christ pre-incarnate. Amen? That had visited Abram at that place. And see, we got to realize something when we worship. Worship is the act of bowing down or prostrating oneself in an act of respect, in an act of honor, in an act of homage. That's why everybody that really had an encounter with Christ bowed before him. Those that knew him, they bowed before him. I'm looking again at Exodus chapter 4. Look at verse 30, Exodus 4 and 30. Look what it says here. It says, and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord has spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. Remember, God had encountered Moses, told Moses, remember at the burning bush or the bush that did not burn, that he was going to send him down into Egypt to get his people out. 
He told him he would give him Aaron as his mouthpiece because Moses was complaining about his speech not being perfect. He was a stutterer. His language wasn't always the best. He says, don't worry about it. I will give you what to say. You tell Aaron what to say, and Aaron will speak those words. Well, here we have Aaron addressing the elders of Israel and speaking to them and performing as God had given Moses the sign, those signs which he was to give before the people. And what happened after that? Verse 31, it says, and the people believed. Why? Because the signs that they were showing were the signs that only identified the person who were doing them as one who was surely connected of God or sent by God. Just like Jesus, when they were called to look for the Messiah and told that he would come showing forth signs and what? Wonders. That was how they were to know this was indeed the Messiah. The people of Israel, it says they believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon uh, their affliction, then they bowed their heads and what? Worshipped. Do you see that? They bowed their heads and they worshipped God. They weren't worshipping Aaron or Moses. They were worshipping God, okay? So we have to understand what true worship, what real worship is all about. You got to know who God is. Keep on. Stay in that book of Exodus. Go to Exodus chapter 34. It's it's something uh, uh, that God reserves for himself true worship. Hello, somebody. God reserves for himself the glory. He says, I'm not going to share my glory with anybody. There is none like God. We're in 34, verse 14. Look what it says here. For thou shalt worship, what? No other God. Didn't I tell you God was a jealous God? God, God ain't going to let nobody get his glory. God reserves true worship for himself. He says, for thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is what? Jealous is a what? Jealous God. Do you see that? Now, ought God to have the right to be jealous over his chosen, over his elect? What happens when a husband marries a woman and then comes home and finds that woman in the house thrown in the midst of an intimate encounter with another man. Somebody going to die that day. Ought not that husband have a right to be jealous over the woman that he's taken uh, to be his lawfully wedded wife? Huh? Yeah, yeah, you, you, you taking your life in your hands, get caught in somebody or some other man's bedroom with his wife. Well, guess what? God has that same kind of rage and jealousy for his people. And God don't want you to worship or to serve any other God. Why? Because he is a jealous God. Amen, somebody. He has a right to be jealous over his own because of the price that he's paid for you. Now, if we being evil, that man might be doing the same thing. But let him catch somebody else in his house. Are y'all hearing me? God is a jealous God, and he has a right to be jealous because of who he is. Can we stop and give God praise? We put too many people, too many things in God's place, which makes us idolaters. And modern-day idolatry has many faces because we, number one, we put people before God. You should not love your wife You should not love your husband more than you love God. That makes you an idolater. You should not think love things more than you love God. Your car shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't love your car more than God. You shouldn't love your house more than God. 
You should not love money more than you love God. Love your career more than you love God. Love your children more than you love God. We let these things come before God. We boyfriends and girlfriends, no, no, she might be all that, but, but she ain't none of that when it comes to God. God made her and God make another one look better than her. Amen, somebody. No, he ain't all that when it comes to God. Yeah, he might have a good job and he, 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 got, the, he got the money thing going on. And he done showed you all them dead presidents in his wallet. But that don't mean nothing because you know what? If he ain't worshiping the God that you worshiping, praise God, somebody. Huh, all them dead presidents don't mean nothing because the God that gave him the dead presidents can quickly take them away. And take him out. Nothing should come before God. And you got to know who he is in order that you might be able to worship him and give him the glory that he and he alone deserves. We were in Exodus 34 and 14. He says, I'm a jealous God. He says, my name is jealous. Why? Because I don't want you worshiping nobody but me. Those four modes of worship that God has given us. And they give us the standard of how we ought to worship and serve. When you look at how worship is a part of prayer, and prayer is a part of worship. Some of you don't worship like you ought to because you don't pray like you ought to. When, when you look at uh, a presence, which means being in the house of God, showing up when you're supposed to show up, uh, a lot of you don't worship like you ought to worship. Huh? When you look at gifts, oh my goodness gracious. The gifts that you give to God. God wants to first, in fact, let, let me just give you a few scriptures. Let, let's go back to prayer. It says in Proverbs 15, 8, I'm giving you a lot of scriptures, praise God, but that's all right because you know I'm going to give you the word if I don't give you anything else. Proverbs 15, 8, look what it says here. It says, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Let me tell you something. God was sick and tired of Israel and their false worship and their sacrifices. He says, don't bring me no more bulls. Don't sacrifice no more goats. Don't sacrifice no more doves. Don't bring, burn no more incense before me. Why? Because your worship ain't true. It ain't real. Are y'all hearing me? God don't want no fake, phony, fraud worshiping. Isn't that where we started? John 4, 24, for God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. In order for there to be true worship, there must be the presence of the spirit of God going forward and leading the whole worship service. Come on. See, when I pray, I pray in the spirit. I will pray with the spirit. I will pray in the spirit. When I sing, I will sing in the spirit. When I give, I give with joy in the Spirit. I only made it through the first half of verse 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Don't talk about you giving to God when ain't no worship involved. Look what it says on the flip side. But the prayer of the upright is what? His delight. Do you see that? So when you go to God, you got to go to God in prayer. But when you go in prayer, don't be trying to put one over on God. That's right, my friends, because God already knows. For in these last days, God is truly seeking true worshipers. And as we bring to a close this first message in this series that deals with worship, we are encouraging you to stay with us over the course of the next several weeks. For it is important for you to know what an intricate part worship plays in our daily lives. Thank you for tuning in to the Souls to Christ radio broadcast. Be sure to join us next week at 1230 for more insightful and compelling truth from our pastor. Or feel free to stop by Christ Temple Christian Fellowship for a live experience with our risen Savior. We're located at 2205 Maryland Avenue in Baltimore, Maryland, 21218. Thank you. God bless.
It's time. Because you can't say that you love God and not obey Him. You can't. You can't be disobedient to God and talk about you love Him. No more than you can say you love a woman and never show up. Never spend time with her. Never uh, minister and serve her for the queen that she is. Are you struggling with your obedience to God? Has your love for God been put to the test by all of the temptations and distractions this life has to offer? Hello friends, thank you for joining us again here on the Souls to Christ Radio Outreach. In today's message, Pastor White continues his teaching, picking up where he left off last week in part one of this new series on true worship. Let's join him now as he further elaborates on today's message. Welcome back, friends. We're glad you joined us today for the completion of part one in this series entitled Worship. I encourage you to pay close attention to the analogy drawn between love and true worship. It will help you in applying the four modes of worship, which are prayer, presence, gifts, and service. Even though we only give an overview of the modes of worship in this part one, in the following messages to come, parts two through seven, you will receive in greater detail through the scriptures why each mode is so important to our daily worship of God through Christ our Lord. Now let's get back into the word for today. So when you go to God, you got to go to God in prayer. But when you go in prayer, don't be trying to put one over on God. Jesus talked about what, what real prayer was and what real prayer wasn't. Why? Because when you first go to God in prayer, you say what? Our Father. You acknowledge him as, guess what? The creator of all things. Who art where? In heaven. And then you go on and you acknowledge the fact that what? He is holy. Hallowed will be thy name. See, you're, you're, you're letting God know that I know who you are, Father. I know who you are. I know that you are holy. And what Christ gave them in the Lord's Prayer was just a model prayer, but acknowledging the fact of how we come to God when we worship him in prayer. Got to know who he is. Ask your neighbor, do you know who he is? It says the prayer of the upright is delight. Why? Because God delights in hearing your prayers when you're coming in truth. They that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in what? Truth. Those that pray to him must pray to him in what? In spirit and in what? Truth. See, you can apply that God thing to everything that you do in the name of the Lord. Stay with me now. When I look at the modes of worship, prayer, presence, gifts, and service, you know it just as well as I know. You got a lot of folk that claim they love the Lord but ain't worshiped in a long time. Don't tell me that you know the Lord when you ain't worshiping him. Because there ain't, ain't no worship in you. You don't have a prayer life. You ain't showing up at church, praise God. You certainly ain't giving your gifts, and you ain't serving him. You know some folk, they ain't worshiped in a long time, but you dare not challenge them on their supposed love for Christ. I love them. He says, wait a minute, if you love me, keep my commandments. That'll shut a lot of people down right there. Are y'all hearing me? Because you can't say that you love God and not obey him. You can't. You can't be disobedient to God and talk about you love him. No more than you can say you love a woman and never show up. Never spend time with her. Never uh, minister and serve her for the queen that she is. Hello, somebody. She's precious in God's sight, but and if you love her, you will learn to cherish her as the precious gift from God that she is that God gave her to you. 
I know one thing for sure. My wife is on loan to me from God because she don't belong to me in the aspect of property. Why? She is God's property, not my property. She is my wife whom God has called me to love and adore and cherish and to serve her and to love her like Christ loved the church. But she don't belong to me. She's just on loan to me because she belongs to the God of her creation. Amen, somebody. And I would hate that God would call his loan due, amen, before I pay the full debt that I owe her, which is love. And let me draw the analogy of worship and love. See, love, the Bible tells us God is love and love is God. But love isn't just one thing. You can't say that you love somebody and not have patience with them and not be kind unto them. Why? Because love is patient and love is kind. Hello, somebody. Now, now, we can go through the Galatians 5.22, right? Where it talks about the attributes of love. Love is not just one thing. Love is everything housed into one collective whole. Come on, go to Galatians 5.22. Go there real quick. I just want to draw this analogy uh, for you. Because we come into church and we wave our hands and we lift holy hands up to the Lord and we think that we worship it when worship ain't one thing. Just like love isn't just one attribute. Look what it says here. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Keep going. Next verse. Meekness, temperance. What else? Against us there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is love, singular, but in that fruit basket of love, just like you have a fruit basket, you say you got peaches and apples and pears and bananas and grapes and oranges. That's fruit. We don't say fruits. We say fruit. It's all under the label of fruit. Just like all these things are under the label of what? Love. And you can't say, I got patience, but be lacking kindness. See, love is not one thing. But love is comprised of all these things. Are y'all with me? So is worship. Worship ain't just one thing. Worship is comprised of all these things. It's prayer. It's rendering your gifts. It's showing up. It's rendering your presence, being all about the service to God. I'm going to serve him out of a pure heart. I'm going to worship him out of a pure heart. I'm going to extol his holy name because he is worthy. Are y'all hearing me say to God? Presence. We start the worship service entering into his presence, and we start every worship service with Psalms 100. Make a what? Joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye land. Serve the Lord with what? Gladness. Come into his presence with what? Singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is who? God. It is he that made who? Us, not we ourselves. We are what? And the what? Sheep of his pasture, therefore enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is. You coming in the door, worshiping. Amen, somebody. Huh? See, that, that, that's worshiping him with his presence. You can't worship in that way if you're never showing up to the house of God. That's right. Say it again, Elder. You got to show up. Gifts. Proverbs 3 and 9. Proverbs 3 and 9. See, you thought I was going to go to Malachi. Don't worry, that's coming in this series. But, but we're going to Proverbs 3 and 9. Amen. <laughs> Look what it says here. It says, honor the Lord 
with thy substance. Did you see that? And with the first fruits of thine increase. That means everything that God gives you and nothing is to be held back. You give God his portion from it. Why? Because that's a part of your worship. That's a a part of your worship. Your, your, Your giving is a part of your worship to the Lord. Why? We give unto the Lord that which he's given unto us. Of thine own, Lord, we have given to you. Why? Because you first gave it to us. And by our service, Exodus 23 and 25. Look what it says here. And ye shall serve the Lord your God. You shall serve the Lord thy God, and he shall do what? Bless thy bread and thy what? Water. And I will take what? Sickness away from the midst of thee. Did you see that? Huh? Do you, the truth is, but you believe God. See, see, I'm willing to worship God and put him first and keep him first. And why? Because these promises that he made to Abraham, faithful Abraham, well, I'm a son of Abraham by faith. See, I look for the blessings of Abraham because I'm a child of Abraham by faith. Amen. And this promise that he made to the children of Abraham here in Exodus, he said, and ye shall serve the Lord your God, and, and he's going to bless you. See, and that's why I don't look to man to bless me. I look to God to bless me. He, he told us in Malachi, try me in this, try me, try me. God ain't often saying try me. Why? Because, you know, we're not supposed to tempt the Lord or, or, or try and test the Lord. But you know what? God told you try me in this that I won't open up a window of heaven and pour you out, what, a blessing, so much so that you will not have room enough to receive it. See, I'm a witness to that. But the thing is, you've got to believe God and you got to trust God and not let anything get in the way of your worship. Our morning scripture coming from Psalms 116 says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. You should know that for yourself. Hello, somebody. The Lord preserveth the simple. It won't get no simpler than me. You speak for yourself. I'm speaking for me. I was brought low, and he what? Helped me. Why? Because God had to humble me. Now, understand, when, when you're going, having to go through something, when you learn how to worship him, you, you learn how to, you know what? Lord, I, even this thing, I'm going to give to you. I don't know why it's going on. I don't understand why it's going on, Father. I ain't even feeling this right now, but I'm going to give it to you as a part of my worship because you know what to do with it. That's worship. Saints, that's worship. You know what to do with it, Lord. Huh? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord hath delivered them out of them what? All, all, and all means what? Oh, to God be the glory. He preserved the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. The Psalms 116, verse 7. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from what? From falling. Do you see that? I love the book of Psalms. So we're going to end on this. I need you to go with me to Psalms 148. Go with me to Psalms 148. This was amazing to me. Uh, This, of course, being a song of David. In fact, go go to 145. I wanted to take a few verses out of eight, but let's just go to five. We're going to stay in five. Five is enough to to, to carry us through and for you to get the gist of of what this thing was all about. This Psalm 145, which is a Psalm of David, look where he starts at, verse number one. He says, I will extol thee, my God, 
O king. I will bless thy name. How long? Forever and ever. That means that there ought not be praises of self or praises of anybody else, that, that, that the praise of God ought to be the thing that is continuously upon your lips and upon my lips. He, why? I'm going to bless you, my God, my King, my Savior, my Deliverer, my Lord, my Healer, my Redeemer, amen, my Provider, my Peace. God, I'm going to extol you. You can't worship unless you know that. Verse 2, look what it says here. It says, every day, tell your neighbor, every day. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. See, see, you know what that says? That says that worship is 24-7. It's not just a Sunday to Sunday event. It's a 24-7 event. Why? Because you can't praise unless you worship, and there can be no praise without worship. And so if I'm going to bless him and praise him every day forever and ever, that means I'm going to be in a mode of worship every day. That's what he said. Verse number three, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse number four, one generation shall praise thy works to another. Do you see that? Parents, you need to be passing on your faith. Grandparents passing on your faith. Great-grandparents passing on your faith. You need to be talking to them about how great the Lord is. And if they don't want to hear it, guess what? They might not hear you right then, but sooner or later, by and by, down the road, they're going to realize the great God that their parents serve because they're going to reach a point where they're going to need him for themselves. You're going to need the God that I serve. You're going to need the God that I love. You're going to need the God that I worship. You're going to need the God that I praise. If you haven't already discovered that. You haven't, you know, some folk are just glutton for punishments. You know, we, we, we got one in every family. You got one that you know what, it only took one good one and they got it right. And then you got the one that didn't matter. It just seemed like every time you turn around, boy, they was getting it. Amen. You may have been that, like that in childhood, but please don't be like that in your adult life. Amen. Because you know what? Whereas your parent might have got tired of whipping your behind, God is going to continue to do so until you get it right. And if you don't get it right, yeah, when you become no good to anybody, not even yourself, you just become worthless. You know what God going to say? You know what? I ain't going to whip you no more. Come on home. He's going to take you out the game. You unfruitful? Come on home. You, you can't get it right? You know what? You, you, you know what? You're doing more harm than good. Come, just come on home. Come on. Come on. He says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit. He, what did Jesus say? My father, what? Taketh away. We don't even realize the grace that God has given us by the time he's allowing us through the mercy that he has shed upon us. Huh? Playing games with God. Don't play games with God. Tell your neighbor, stop the games. God ain't playing with us. And a lot of people mistake the grace of God and the mercy of God as if they are right. No, you ain't all right. You far from all right. But God loves you that he's given you grace. He's given you more time. It's the prayers of those that know that you ain't all right that's keeping you right now because certainly your prayers ain't going through. You contend to be rebellious. Great is our God and greatly to be praised. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy what? Mighty acts. Like he told the nation of Israel, you need to teach your children. Don't just let it be a one-time, okay, we're going to have 15 minutes devotional, family devotional. He said, no, you teach them when they wake up in the morning. Teach them as you walk with them through the day. 
You teach them in the evening when you sit down to a meal. You teach them at night. He says, you ought to always be teaching your children about who I am, my goodness and my glory, the mercy that I've shown you, the reason why you are where you are today. Can I preach this thing? Nah, don't worry, I'm almost done. Hmm? Uh, verse number five, he says, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy what? Majesty. So now you're getting into the, the, the trueness of who God is. When you, you can understand that he is indeed king of kings and lord of lords, and there is none like him. You know, one writer says, he says, how unsearchable are your thoughts. God, I can't even fathom, you know, how, how you think. He says, and your ways past what? Finding out. I, I, I can't even begin to fathom God. I, we, I done talked about that. We done preached about that. I, oh, my goodness. He is glorious in honor of thy majesty and, and thy wondrous works. God, let, let me just get through this. Verse number six. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. Hello, somebody. Uh, let's keep it moving. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. Don't you thank God for that? He has not dealt with us according to our sins. See, the world don't want to hear about this. Uh, truth be told, your, your siblings don't want to hear about this. Uh, come on, praise them, baby. You keep praising them. Uh, they don't want to hear about this thing. Why? Because they're wrong and they know they're wrong. And the last thing folk want to hear about is how wrong they are. Praise God. But hey, nothing can be the wrong but the right. Hey, oh, you can start and you can make it right right now. Amen, somebody. Just by beginning to glorify him, give him honor, and begin to truly worship him through because of the God that he is. Amen. Through the different modes of worship that he has given to us that we might know him. Amen. See, not only do we worship him through prayer, but we get to know him because God talks to us just like we talk to him. Amen. Somebody. He'll talk to you through his word. He'll talk to you through the circumstances in your life. God will begin to show you. And when you, when you know something, when God shows you something, don't you sit around and act like he ain't talking to you. See, sometimes folk will say something to us and we can't believe they done said that to us. And we turn around and we say, what did you say? God said what he meant and he meant what he said. Are y'all hearing me? Are you surprised? Yeah, he said it. And God don't have no problem with repeating it. Huh? And when you're speaking for the Lord, don't you have no shame about repeating it either. Don't water it down. See, because a lot of folk, they want to, you know what, try to write you off. It ain't what you said. It's what? How you said it. See, see, if they, they can discount the whole kit and caboodle of the substance of what your conversation was all about simply because you didn't say it in the way they thought you should say it. It might not have been appealing. It might not have been done with a smile and a soft voice. It might not have stroked you and rubbed you the right way, but it's the truth. And you're still accountable because it's the truth. And you can't put somebody off when they're telling you the truth, talking about, well, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Well, the Bible does, and I will confirm uh, that uh, the scriptures tell us a soft word turns away wrath. But to some people, you can be as soft 
and as gentle and as humble and as meek in your conversation as one could be, and they still reject what you said. Thank you. Somebody here willing to be honest about it. Somebody willing to worship here today. Huh? Why? Because they don't want to hear it. And it don't matter how much you dress it up. You know, children sometimes, in order for them to get them, to, in order for you to get them to take their medicine, you got to sweeten it. You got to sugarcoat it. Amen. You got you to disguise it in something that they will take in order that they might receive it. Are y'all hearing me? But God don't want you tainting his word by goody goodies. No, 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 don't, don't sugarcoat it, don't dress it up, don't know. Just give them the truth. Let God be God, amen. Let the word be the word, and let them do with it what they need to do with it, which is apply it. Amen, somebody? Amen. See, because us sugarcoating stuff and being, oh, you know, I just didn't want to hurt their feelings. Come home, oh my gosh. Look, if, you got, if you're on mission from God, let me tell you something. The last thing you need to be worried about is how they feel. See, because somebody that's, uh, you know, not trying to hear what God has to say and, and has been rebellious up to that point, are, are y'all hearing me? They, they ain't going to feel good about it in the first place. So the last thing you should be doing is considering, be considering how somebody feel. And, and here's the last thing, that the, the last, the offset that folk will use. Well, hear what you said is how you said it. Well, well you know, you, you just made me feel Here's the last thing. Are y'all ready for this? They will flip it back on you. Well, you, well, you just said the other day, you just did that. Well, I just remember when you, uh-huh. See, I got some witnesses here today. But, but, but we ain't talking about me. See, they'll try to flip the script on you. Are y'all hearing me, saints of God? Be on point. Be on task. Worship God. Give God the glory. Give him the honor. And let God use you. Because you know what? It's one thing that's undeniable about a true worshiper of God. And that is the fact that even though all the world might reject your message, will want to talk about your praise will want to make you feel guilty about your commitment and your service, and most of all, make you feel like, oh, you, you giving to that preacher in the pool. I'll be giving him my money. I got my own money. I've always been a working pastor. Hello, somebody. And I can show you numbers of what God has done for me apart from the church that will mess you up. So, so you let folk get in the way of your praise, your worship, your giving, your service to the Lord if you want to. And, and let somebody else, you know what, stifle you and, and, and diminish you, and your commitment to the Lord if you want to. But I don't know about you, but I stand with Joshua. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I got any witnesses in here today? I got any witnesses? I got anybody willing to just take a stand for Christ and serve him with their whole heart? I got any true worshipers in the house today? Come on, stand to your feet. I'm done with this thing. Hallelujah. Amen. We got to worship him and give him the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. Let me tell you something. Praise is an individual thing. It's a personal thing. It's between you and your personal God. You can be as intimate as you want to be. Amen. 
and as free as you allow yourself to be in your worship. See, a lot of people can't really worship because they ain't free to praise. Well, wait a minute. If God has done what he's been doing for you and you know it ain't nobody to him, why would you then stifle the praise that is due him by being ashamed of getting ugly in the face? I ain't afraid to cry. I ain't afraid to let the tears flow. I ain't afraid to get ugly for the Lord. Amen, somebody. Our ushers got tissues. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen, baby. That's right, guy. Our ushers got tissues. They got whatever you need. We will encourage you in your praise and in your worship. Amen. Man, you're going to give you tissues to wipe your snotty nose, but that's okay. That's all a part of what goes on when we worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, we thank you for joining us as we bring to a close this first part in our new series that deals with worship. And we hope this message and topic has blessed your soul the way it has blessed us here at Souls to Christ Radio Outreach. I also pray that it has pricked your heart to stay with us over the next several weeks as we continue in this series on true worship. Again, our focal verse for this series came from the book of John, chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. For the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Next week, we're going to dive deeper into this text coming from John chapter 4 as we see just how Jesus was leading this woman of Samaria into true worship. He was engaging her with the truth. Why? Because in true worship, there always has to be the element of truth. As Jesus said himself, you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And again, he said, he whom the Son set free is free indeed. My friends, I believe that the only way that we can all experience victory in life is through Jesus Christ. And it is our mission here at CTCRO to bring you every week the unadulterated truth of God's Word and the power that only comes through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you want truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, continue to join us here every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on Praise 106.1 FM. I would like to also take this opportunity to invite you to our Tuesday night Bible study class. We at Christ Temple Christian Fellowship call it our family night. It's our interactive Bible study that piggybacks off of Sunday's 11 a.m. message. It's there we teach at a much slower pace, and you can ask questions, whether it be on the topic of study or any other question you may have concerning biblical truth. So come on out, learn, grow, experience God on a deeper, more intimate level through the pages of His truth. We look forward to meeting you and hearing your testimony as a true worshiper of God. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Souls to Christ radio broadcast. Be sure to join us next week at 1230 for more insightful and compelling truth from our pastor. 
or feel free to stop by Christ Temple Christian Fellowship for a live experience with our risen Savior. We're located at 2205 Maryland Avenue in Baltimore, Maryland, 21218. Thank you. God bless.